Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice-weekly podcast dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcast, Too Beautiful to Live, in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me this evening in New Brighton, Minnesota, is Anne Lundholm. Good evening, Anne. Good evening, Bobby. This is a Friday edition of the show where we bring on a 10 and talk to them about a favorite moment of theirs from TBTL history and about their fandom in general. And tonight we are finally glad to welcome months in the making from East Hampton, Massachusetts, Corey Plucker. Good evening, Corey. Hello there, Bobby and Ann. It's always nice to have another East Coast, Eastern time zone person on the show with me. <laughs> Makes it easy. And also, um, I think we're pretty cool. So, Well, that too. Yeah. Us New Englanders. That remains to be seen. <laughs> Throwing shade at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Uh, normally, we would start with some things we must discuss. However, uh, I, I guess I only have one quick thing for that. Then we'll get to know Corey. We'll talk about the clip that Corey has brought us from TBTL history. Then we'll get into how you can be the next Corey Plucker on our show, although I have a feeling he's going to set the bar pretty high and some housekeeping. Uh, first, I think the only thing I have to must discuss is that uh, as of the airing of this show, uh, I'll probably be packing my bags for the Twin Cities. Heading out to finally meet Anne face to face, woohoo! And uh, to have some fun. And we need to talk about that, by the way, because I'm getting in Saturday morning and I'm coordinating the little red carpool from the airport area. But <laughs> if I have time, we should try to have lunch all together or something before I head back down there to pick everybody up. Um, there's a there's a pizza place called um, is it called Red Wagon Pizza? I think. Oh, how appropriate. Uh huh. Um, I'm going to make a note of it, and uh, we'll have to take some pictures and get some pizza. Um, we will figure out the rest of that offline, but the point is, if you haven't made your plans yet, check on those last-minute flights. And if you are coming and you're listening to this while you're on your way, uh, make sure you drop us a line on our Facebook page at Little Red Bandwagon. Let us know you're going to be at the live show and show your LRB pride there. We want to see as many LRB people there as we can. People have asked me if I know what's going on after the show. Uh, I don't now, and I probably won't on Friday, but <laughs> my guess is that the Legion's is not going to close when we're done with the show. Uh, and so there may be no better plan than to stay right there and get the karaoke machine out and keep drinking. So uh, one way or another, uh, we will turn something into an after party. Uh, and with that, uh, let's get to know our guest tonight, Corey. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Thanks um, for having me. Of course. Uh, as I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, this has been months in the making. Um, and Christy, I know, is really disappointed that she can't be on this one because, like Anne, uh, both of you are star archivists. How many weeks have you guys done? Corey, how many weeks have you done? I think I've done uh, – it was a little weird because I did the secret shows too, which I think I counted as two weeks. I think I'm on the 12th week, and I'm starting to do the radio shows right now, which are uh, way harder. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, uh, some of those secret shows felt like several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a total, a total disaster of a show where, he, like, Luke and his friends were at the racetrack. And yeah. uh, it was, like, it was so much fun to listen to, but it was not a show that had any, like, narrative arc. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, what happened was they had promised one secret show a month. And they had gotten one or two done in the first <laughs> ten months. Right. And then I think Luke just spent an entire weekend recording what he called 
like eight secret shows. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure secret shows three and four were just uh, them reading emails about how they weren't doing any secret shows. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let a secret fly. I don't even know if the secret shows website is still up, but if I remember correctly, the super secret password was Chamber. Yes. Oh. Yes. You. you I. Uh, I'll blow you up here. You. You gave me access to that to archive all those, <laughs> and it, and it worked. <laughs> it worked well, all right. I, I remember having the um the files downloaded at one point. I was sharing the Dropbox link with people. I think the statute of limitations on those shows has passed. Definitely, it's already another TBTLathon, so we're fine. You know, yeah, and give, give your money this time. Yep. yep. Network. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's just something to do uh, to listen to while you pack your TBTL lunchbox and your TBTL water bottle and uh, in with the new. Yeah. Um, and dug up some interesting things while lightly stalking your Facebook page today. And so, and do you want to fire off some of these notes? I do. I Since Mike's not here, it fell to me to do the Facebook stalking. And I don't know if I'm not that good at it, but Corey, you are kind of a man of mystery. You did not thoroughly fill out all your uh, questions on Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah, I did not. I don't know. I, I, I never. I think I started Facebook sort of like too cool for it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to use this stupid thing. It's like a, you know, people I don't want to talk to from high school. Why would I be on online talking to them? And then, so I, what you're saying is, there's a MySpace page somewhere that we should have dug into. Oh man, it is it is rich with content. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just because it's just me over me and Tom, me and Tom over there. So I had to dig into your pictures, mm -hmm. and the the first pretty obvious thing that I noticed is that you're in a band. Yeah, I am. I I'm in two. You know, we're 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 not like uh, a band that you'd have heard of. We just play around here um, a little bit here and there, but. It's more like uh, uh, we get together. I you know play in two, so I, I get play with one once a week and uh, once a week with the other one as well. So um, we'll play you know all original music, but it's it's sort of a, a passion project for sure. Um, so and what genre? Uh, one is a kind of a heavy hard rock, and one is more of a classic rock alternative feel. I saw some pictures where you look pretty young, so this must have been happening for a while. Yeah, one of them I've been in for, I think, 14 years. Um, it's all guys from high school, and uh, and uh, we've just continued to do it and don't care if anybody listens. <laughs> so and, I guess that's, and what, after, that's what kept us going. After 14 years, your friend's mom has not thrown you out of their garage yet? <laughs> they, uh, no, that did happen. Yeah. <laughs> we did. <laughs> And but the funny part is we're still playing like we're still tied to that friend's family residence somewhere. Like uh, we we built a little studio in one of their uh, buildings down the street, and uh, we none of us are are adult enough to have our own place with a practice space. So yeah. uh, that Thanks. sounds that sounds like it could be great foreshadowing for this clip that you brought us. Actually, I think you're building a little. <laughs> outhouse <laughs> side shit project yeah i can't say that some of us haven't slept there so but it's way less rock star than you might picture it's just a room or way more depending <laughs> on where on the scale of rock star yeah right you're just you're catching it on the way up but it could be just like the way back down that's right that's yeah exactly this is like uh you know if bon jovi's career didn't go so well this is where he'd be right now uh you said original songs yeah. Uh, 
are there any covers in the mix too? Do you have any showstoppers? Is there anything that people cheer for, want to hear? Um, <laughs> and what are the names of these bands? Um, yeah. One, the one I've been in the longest is Vining Hill. Um, it's named after- And that seems to be a place. That is a place. That's, uh, it's the name of a street that a friend of ours grew up on, uh, in the town we, we went to, uh, high school in. Um, and that, that's like the harder rock band. A lot of the other guys in the band like metal and I don't really. So it's, uh, somewhere in between. Um, and the other band is Trails, which is a, um, little three piece that, that we play in. We do kind of fun little alternative classic rocky sounding things. And what do you play in these bands? Uh, guitar and vocals. Okay. Yeah. So you're a front man. I, yeah, as much as I can be. <laughs> uh, I have a question because this is an audio format that I have to ask, and it's not, will you perform for us right now? <laughs> so are you pretty? <laughs> yeah. This is a, you're a comedian. Tell me a joke. Make me laugh. Yeah, right. Um, exactly. Do you have any recorded tracks is my question. Is there something that we should be tacking on to the end of the show? Oh, um, you you could do that if you'd like. Yeah, we've got some stuff. I can, uh, I'll send you a link. It's, All right. Um, so uh, and- uh, be prepared for that, Wagoneers, after the outro and whatever stupid thing Jeremy puts on for the Easter egg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get you a track from one of these bands and uh, uh, enjoy that. And we'll have some links in the show notes for where you can find more of that music. Thanks. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, thanks. Shameless promo. I'm I'm really bad at promo. That's probably why we're not like a huge. I mean, that's probably the. I think that's the only reason that we're not huge. Is, right. You've is got because... the talent and the time and the secret <laughs> recipe and the perfect songwriting. It's just absolutely. The, yep. 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 It's All the humble. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> uh, and well, uh, it's the family life. That you're tied to because Anne Stalking also found something a lot more personal uh, in the... Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the very, very first uh, post that I saw when I logged into your Facebook page was from some parental figure announcing something to the world. And if you'd like to share it with us. Sure, sure. My uh, my mother-in-law and, and then subsequently my mom and my sister all got to share for us that... Uh, uh, my wife's pregnant with our first uh, baby, so we're expecting uh, a new little one in, in January, which is pretty awesome. Congratulations. Thank you very much. And will you be naming him or her Luke or Andrew or Johnny <laughs> or Bobo? Uh, probably all of the above, actually. Just okay. a really long hyphenated name. I mean, you can't leave anybody out. <laughs> Rudy? <laughs> yeah, all right, sure. Middle name. Yeah. Well, congratulations. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Uh, I don't have any kids, so I don't have anything more to say about it other than uh, wishing you the best. Everybody else I know in the TBTL and Little Red Bandwagon universe has kids who are adorable and precocious, and I always love seeing them at events. Uh, So that can be your goal. Get a couple of years under your belt, and then I expect to see that kid at a Chateau Saint-Michel picnic. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm learning from people who have, like, those just adorable, precocious kids that, you know, I, I aspire to have that. Although I, what I can tell you, if you if you do have kids, is that the first doctor's visit is is scary. Like they all they want to do is ask you your medical history, and then you look back at yourself, you know, your own medical history, and you're like, oh my god, did I ruin this kid's life before it started? <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay. Well, uh, yeah, no, I I'm not. Uh, I don't have that. Okay, no, I have that. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> 
Yeah, having spent a little time with self-reflection is one of the primary reasons I don't have any kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there More people should be like that, I should say. <laughs> well, but not you. We're, we're happy for you. No. And, uh, we're glad to have it. What did we decide kids were? 0.5s or 1s or... I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to put it to a vote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have no idea what Anne's note about Ireland means. Well, I saw lots of pictures of a trip to Ireland, and I love traveling, and I can't afford to travel internationally very much, so I just want to know about other people's trips, and when oh. you went to Ireland, and how much booze you drank. <laughs> um, we went to Ireland for our honeymoon. Um, we did our honeymoon like a year after our actual wedding, uh, just to kind of prepare for it and stuff, and um, actually, Facebook was just reminding me that it was two years ago last month, so uh, it was a while ago now, but um, we... we we took our plan was we we rented a car and we landed in Dublin and rented a car and all that we knew about the next twenty something days was that we knew where we were where we were sleeping for uh, two nights or three nights in a row depending on where we were and we took the car from Dublin and kind of went counterclockwise around Southern Ireland and stopped at all the major uh, points and did all the scariest drives ever and uh, uh, saw the beautiful scenery and all that. And drank quite a bit of Guinness. It's surprising. I'm like a craft beer person, so I actually kind of got a little bit burnt out on Guinness, but uh, it was it was fun nonetheless. It's nice to go to the Guinness factory and have the Guinness there. <laughs> that that was cool. So you're saying that you're a high risk person, in that you can go without a completely worked out plan, like I would have to have. Yeah, it would stress. Honestly, it would stress me out. Like, I'm not so cool with it. Like that, I don't need to plan something. I needed to know that I need. I had a place to stay every night. But as far as like everything in between, our plan was uh, show up at the bed and breakfast because, well, really, bed and breakfast is your only choice in Ireland in a lot of places. But show up at the bed and breakfast and then ask the host, um, whose job it is to entertain people, um, where do I go from here? <laughs> and uh, and we got some really cool adventures out of that. So that was that was definitely worth it. And uh, the right amount of fun. Oh, I'm putting it on my list, which is way too long. <laughs> what, uh, if you had to pick a place, um, it would be, uh, I say, Western Ireland is uh, definitely the best. Galway and um, uh, the uh, Ring of Kerry in that area. We may have to make you Gold Star Archivist and LRB travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> You can write a you can write a guide for us on how to throw caution to the wind. You'll get a post every two or three years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to the uh, gauntlet of traditional questions, the other thing I wanted to bring up was the fact that uh, you mentioned to me recently that you uh, took note of my mentioning that I live in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, because you are in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, very often, and it's yeah. not too often that a wagoneer tells me that they're down the street from my house. So I wondered if you might just give us a, a quick explanation of, of your job and why you're creeping on me. Well, you type, uh, you type Robert Pape into this site called whitepages.com and it comes up with all the, no, I, uh, so I'm in, I'm in sales. I'm an engineer, but I somehow ended up in sales. I think people tell me I have a personality. So, I uh, I sell big equipment for industrial processes like bakeries and manufacturing and waste handling and foods and things like that. So um, lots of big like pneumatic conveying equipment or uh, 
conveyors and dryers and coolers and different things like that. So um, I end up in a lot of different places. Um, like tomorrow I'll be, uh, for, for those of you who know Massachusetts, out in Haverhill and out near Boston. Um, so I travel a lot kind of regionally, and uh, that's what puts me uh, near your house, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we're going to get breakfast uh, yeah. or something. Uh, or lunch or something while you're out here. Because, I mean, we're talking close. You told me the place that you stop, and it's, I mean, it's a walk from my house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm usually there in the morning, so I'll, I'll move my meeting to a little bit later one day and give you a call. Great. And if I could get an appraisal, I actually have a, um, like, a 12-quart Hobart floor <laughs> model stand mixer sitting in my kitchen that I've that we never use. Yeah, um, we got it on Craigslist on a lark because some some woman uh, opened a cupcake bakery during the bubble, the cupcake bubble, and uh, it burst. <laughs> and her mom had financed it, this you know millennial failed venture, and uh, we found it because the mom was liquidating everything from the bakery in a rage. <laughs> yeah got to get those dollars back you know yeah exactly but the thing is useless to us and i've been trying to figure out a way to sell it so maybe you could come over and give me a hand with that <laughs> sure you just make uh make gallons and gallons of like tuna salad just throw in like the yeah tuna. yeah <laughs> i was thinking sell the mixer not open a deli but oh you know. oh i see all right you don't want to you don't want to start something well you know see it's all about resources little red bandwagon sandwiches It'd be great. Uh, I think we better uh, move on to Anne, who's going to run you through your questions. Yes, indeed. I have to start with the traditional Christy Wise greeting. Hello, Corey. Hello, Christy Anne. <laughs> Our first question for you uh, in the TBTL universe is, how did you find the show? Um, I actually found it, strangely enough, through I know one other 10 in person. Um, I actually worked with him for a few years, and he would come in with this weird-looking shirt that I really loved, but I never knew what it was. And it, I ended up asking him one day, and it turns out it was a, from the TBTL roller skating party. Um, and I got to talking to him about it, and he had told me about it. And uh, I had sort of heard about Luke on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. I probably noticed when, like, the crowd sounded like they were booing him, but they were really saying Luke. <laughs> um, so I, I remembered his name, and I was like, all right, okay, I'll, that sounds interesting, and he likes it, I like him, I'll give it a shot. So um, I tried it for a few days, and, like, I originally didn't think that the show was for me because it really sounded um, hyper-local to Seattle, and I was like, I, you know, I just had no connection to the place. So um, I put it down, and then, you know, he asked me about it, did you like it? I said, not really. Uh, and he, he convinced me to give it another shot. So then it was on from there. So um, I've been a listener since uh, about, I think, February of 2012. And so do you remember the first episode? It would have been just after the thousandth episode, some, something around there when I don't really remember Jen that much, but um, I remember I, I really liked Andrew. So and as he kind of became more full time, I was listening to him. Um, I think I remember the day that they announced that he would be full-time. So somewhere in in that, you know, right after the thousandth episode. I think, I can't remember who said it on the Stens page once, but Jen makes us want to be a better person, and Andrew makes us feel okay about who we are. Absolutely. I, I thought that was a really nice way to put it. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I really, I really connect with Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) And he's so honest about his insecurities. Yeah. Yeah. So then what episode would you say was it that turned you into a 10 where you said, I'm in on this? I, it wasn't actually an episode. It was a drop. It was the slabjacking drop. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was that he, there must've been one of those shows. Like when, when Luke plays that one, he'll play it just over and over and over again. And I think I just found myself dying laughing at my desk at work. And I, it was actually, um, I think you're going to ask me this question, but, uh, it was actually the f- the first thing I ever wrote into this show about it. I said, uh, Luke, that slabjacking drop makes me lose my shit. <laughs> I think that was basically <laughs> my email. <laughs> he has that naughty spirit, you know. Back in the radio days, he used to play that priceless granite drop all the time. And then they got in trouble because I guess he was mocking it. And then he played it even more. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's uh he's not afraid. I think he takes that like I think Burbanking it really is like uh you know, something is funny if you do it three times, but then like something is even funnier if you do it seven times. Right. And, the problem uh, is that it's not funny times four <laughs> through six. So there's a real <laughs> investment time. Yeah, yeah, you gotta come back around. Right. Absolutely. So then other than this email, you said they read that on the show? Yeah, they they read he had uh, he had talked about Love and Radio, um, and I had started listening to that. Actually, I only listened to that for a short period of time, but he had mentioned that, and I said thanks for the recommendation. Asked him about Slabjacking. Um, he read that one, uh, and then he read a couple of other ones that I've that I've sent in uh, relatively recently. Do you email frequently? Um, not all the time. Sometimes I'll think like I have. I actually uh, compose emails and then uh, delete them way more than I actually send them. Because <laughs> I'm like, they don't need this in their life, you know. Not like negative stuff, but like I have a great idea, you know. I know I emailed them. I emailed them one time about uh, getting Cisco Morris on the show because I I learned about him through TBTL, um, who I think would be just fascinating to have on the show. I listen to his gardening show now just to like smile at something. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought he'd be great to have on the show. They never, they didn't, they didn't do anything with that one. Um, have you ever gone to any live events? No, no, I haven't. I, I almost made a Boston, uh, TBTL Boston's meetup, but I, I couldn't do it that day. Oh. Well, we I, just have to have more Boston's meetups. That's the problem. In fact, so. if any Boston's are listening, last time we had a Boston meetup that I was at. The check ran like $40 over because tens are all really good about throwing money into the pot. And everyone just looked at me after and was like, well, you just hold on to it for the next for the next event. So basically, I owe the boss tens like 40 bucks. <laughs> You're so already we, all, in the hole. we all need to go out and I need to buy a round of drinks. <laughs> or you shouldn't have told people that and you could keep this scenario going. If it was anyone else, I would have kept my mouth shut. But for boss tens, we got to stick together. So how many people are in that group that would usually show up? At the last event we had, it was when that, – that I was at. I think there might have been one tied to the to the picnic, and I was at the picnic last year, so I missed it. But we had a get-together when Ruby uh, Thaler was in town, a former Boss 10 now in Seattle. And um, I want to say we had 12 or 14 people come out. We packed RFO Sullivan's in Somerville. Wow. Wow. 
that's that's more than I thought. Uh, I think it was think more than it, we were expecting. <laughs> I, I think it was that picnic. It wasn't the last year picnic, but it was the one before that that I actually cried that night because I was so sad that oh. I wasn't there with people. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You'll be there this week. What is it? Two weeks from now? No, week this now? weekend. This weekend. This weekend. Yeah. But, oh. Well, for people who are hearing this tomorrow night, if you're hearing it when it comes out, or as Luke would say, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should mention that I've never been to a TBTL event, but um, I'm, I, I have to give her props for this. My wife uh, is awesome as she is. She knows how much I love the show. She's not really, you know, into it herself. She doesn't actually she doesn't listen any to, to any podcast, but um, she knows how into TBTL I am. And actually, she surprised me with a, a, a trip to Seattle um, to go kind of understand the area and like kind of connect with it a little bit. I mean, there was nothing TBTL related going on, but I got to see the places that they talk about in the show. And uh, that was, that was oh. really awesome. So that's the closest that's really I've cool. got. Yeah. 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 That's the closest I've gotten to this, to the TBTL um, home base. What was your favorite thing that you saw TBTL related? Um, I, I ended up, I wanted to do what the places he, that uh, people went to on the tour de terrible, but I didn't end up doing it because they were, uh, you know, dives i suppose they were they, they weren't near <laughs> you didn't you didn't want to fly six hours to seattle to go to goldies <laughs> i uh i didn't realize i didn't realize how you know going to an american legion totally makes sense to me now like that's like that's high class <laughs> i totally understand i i really liked uh i, I mean i was down in a, a you know pike place market and uh got to walk by at least where Cairo was and stuff like that. Um, you know, now I know what they mean by Lower Queen Anne. <laughs> Depending on when you were there, did you get to see the hole in the ground where the Azteca was? Uh, I did not. Uh, across from where Cairo is. You wouldn't know it. Uh, and I didn't know because I, I didn't go to Seattle for the first time until after it was torn down. But uh, it was Mike Frizzell who actually took me around the first time I went to Seattle. And he just pointed at this construction site that was a giant hole that got He was like, and that's where the Azteca <laughs> was. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have known it if I saw it. Maybe we should um, put a plaque there. The tens could chip in for a plaque. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, we can spend more on a cheap plaque than the Azteca ever gave tens <laughs> in anything. <laughs> so I guess the final and most um, existential question is, why does TBTL matter to you, Corey? I... This is the thing I try to communicate to people who ask me, like, why do you listen to the show? And I, it's tough. I mean, everybody has a hard time describing it, but I think it's, you know, of course it's a companion, you know, it's a constant companion. I'm in the car a lot, so I listen to it a lot in the car. It's where I do a lot of my archiving. Um, safety be damned. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I don't know. Sometimes, like, you know, it's two, it's two friends that are really positive with each other. They, they help each other through things that, uh, you know, one or the other's going through, uh, sometimes just from totally sh basically shooting the shit, they come up with something totally profound that really resonates with me. And I'll come home and be like, you know, tell I'll tell my wife, Oh my God, this thing I heard on TBTL, like, and she'll look at me like, yeah, you don't know that. And I'll be like, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> so I, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to put a finger on, but, um, it's just, uh, it's something that, that I find really valuable. I think that you make a really good point about um, two men 
<laughs> celebrating each other's <laughs> strengths. <laughs> nice. But um, it's a really, it's a really um, loving relationship they have in a weird way, and they're both so supportive of one another, and that's um, not behavior that is encouraged for men to model. Let's put it that way. Definitely, and that's yeah. really refreshing. It is, and that's the sort of, the sort of thing that the thing that has um, either made a lifelong friend for me or a uh or you know had me totally not interested in somebody is whether they can speak at a different level than just you know being real broy and and all that when they can talk about you know things that they are scared about or things that that bother them or you know they can have fun with uh with insecurities and and um you know prop each other up and stuff like that i think that's really important in friendship and so you kind of get that from the show speaking of how these two are willing to let their guard down to one another, which could be the transition to every Friday episode clip. <laughs> uh, you you sent us this clip. Uh, it wasn't the original clip you had submitted, uh, but uh, you went back to the well and pulled a really, really great one. Uh, yes. You're taking us back to June 24th, 2014, episode 1629. Actually... Uh, just a couple of weeks off from the show that Phyllis brought us a week ago for her June Phyllis fave. And the episode is titled Sext from Andrew. And that's not even the part we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to mention that the official description from TVTL of this show is simply Andrew shares what he would write in a sext if he were to send one, which he never will. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, really burying the lead. <laughs> as in but, as in not saying it at all. Right. But there's <laughs> there's so much more to this episode. The part that you chose for us to listen to is actually two different things, but they're both so good that we're including both. Uh first, we're gonna get yet another informative glimpse into Andrew's childhood years, uh this time his early high school years, when we talk about his prank calls. Sort of in the style of the Jerky Boys, uh, followed by uh, an interview that aired on Cairo from Rachel Bell with a certain The Mummy talking about tiny houses. So let's take a listen now, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Um, do you have any? Um, do you have any keys to the shorts? I mean, keys to the show, Andrew Welsh. True. I um I have one key to the show tonight, and I don't. I think it's it's one of those things that we should have talked about ahead of time, um, because you had mentioned that we're going to be um, talking a little bit about uh, William Shatner. That was something yeah. that was kind of on the list for last night. I think we got a bump to tonight, and. Um, the problem is you don't have any kind of audio to go along with William Shatner segments. And I think that if yeah. anything, what we need to do for a key to the show is figure out a way to overcome that because he doesn't, you know, we've talked about this before. He doesn't lend himself to that right, uh, kind that of like kind of the thing. kind of drop mentality that we have on this show. So anyway, if you if there's anything you okay. could do, that would be my key to the show. OK, I'll scour, um, I guess, like maybe the, the the microfiche at the local library or I'll go through the Dewey Decimal. Um, card catalog just see if I could because the other problem is not only is William Shatner not the kind of person who says things that would make an audio drop there's also there isn't a kind of a collection of inter information digitally mm -hmm. where you could go and find that kind of stuff 
You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm sure there's. I'm sure that. I'm sure that it's. Some, I mean, he's a man who's in front of the camera, in front of microphones his entire life. He's in his 80s now, um, so I'm sure that if you had the resources, you could find him saying something kind of silly or preposterous out of context or something like that. But. I mean, I just don't think that we have resources. And again, that's where I apologize to you. I wish that I had been able to have this conversation with you before the show, and I, I really kind of dropped the ball on that yeah, one. I'm but anyway, if you were able to pull anything off like that, I would say that would be a great, great key to the show. Okay, okay. I, um, you know, I'll keep looking. By the way, did you know that there are, let's see, there are apparently a lot of uh, William Shatner soundboard prank calls. Do you want to hear this? This no, is great. I have not previewed this, which always means uh, disastrous consequences. But um, this, is on, this is on YouTube. I was looking for a William Shatner soundboard. This is on YouTube. Somebody has taken an internet soundboard of William Shatner and then uh, you know, used it to make a phone call to someone. Uh, let's hear. This has been viewed 116,000 times. Let's take a listen to how this uh, turned out. Telephones, the final frontier. So far, so bad. These are the prank calls of a William Shatner soundboard. (laughs) It's five-minute mission to entertain a small number of Australian radio comedians to boldly call where no soundboard has called before. I had no idea you were making these on the side, Andrew. (laughs) <laughs> this is so far the worst thing I've ever heard in my life, but I love it. William Shatner calls a pet store. Good afternoon, Pets World. This is Kevin. We're looking for some kind of creature. Creature. Some kind of creature. Yep. Creature without form that feeds on horror and fear. That must assume a physical shape to kill. Do you have a first name? Yeah, Kevin. Yes, you're quite right. Sorry? Uh, Mr. Cochran, what? explain. What? I'm sorry. Explain. Answer me. What, what exactly are you looking for? We're looking for some kind of creature. Yeah? I think it's time we did a little simple and plain communicating. Some kind of creature. Answer me. Mr. Cochran. Wow. That, um, that was, that, that <sighs> intro, failure. that intro was indicative of how bad the prank call was. You know, here's what I think David M. Green, and you know, I haven't put together a, um, a, uh, you know, uh, wow, David M. Green, he's got a show reel too. This is, let's just, this is. He's a comedian, writer, voice actor, game show host, etc. Yes! It's everyone's time for 31 questions. How often is the magazine Australian Woman's Weekly published? Definitely. Weekly. We- no. <laughs> what? No, it's, it's, it's monthly. False advertising. Ch- yeah, exactly. Why don't they call it Women's Monthly? <laughs> that is good stuff. The thing I would say that David Green didn't do a great job of with his prank calls is that, and I know this from listening to a ton of Howard Stern, and they do that same kind of thing a lot with like Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboards and stuff. Is um, you ha- it's very hard 
uh, to uh, de- uh, demonstrate restraint. But what you've got to do is just play like the you know Schwarzenegger or Shatner or whatever it is, and then let the other person, the person on the other end of the line who's being pranked, let them fill in a lot of the details. Because yeah. Absent the absent the the. the the I guess you could say celebrity voice you're using absent that voice talking the other person will will usually try to like kind of figure out what's going on and then they'll end up I mean if you keep bombarding them with the tape it will eventually just confuse them and then they'll just hang up yeah I think you're right and I think that this person not unlike two podcasters whom uh, we know intimately uh, th- that that guy might have just been a little bit too scared of the silence yeah. Well, um, that's I think probably uh, a uh, that's a problem that David Green will suffer from throughout his career, as I have. All right, here's a little. This is an Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard prank call. I call this the danger zone. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? This is some computer thing. Wrong. <laughs> Yes. Hi. Give me a break. What? Let me talk to your mother. You know what's amazing, Andrew? I found the one prank call worse than David Green's William Shatner prank calls. She said from the very say she's at some sort of computer thing. Like she's on to them and then you can hear them giggling in the background. This is not Yeah. This is not professional. You used to do prank calls, right? When you were a kid, you must have. I was I would get so nervous when I would try to do a prank call that I, I was it's funny because I, I'm, you know, I was a troublemaker and I liked to talk, which seems like the perfect combination for being a prank caller, but it was not a thing that I did very often. I loved the Jerky Boys. Was mm-hmm. I was so into the Jerky Boys, and I was into hearing prank calls when somebody would make them and record them. But I was um, myself like too afraid to make them. How about you? Oh yeah. Uh, at a pretty embarrassing age, I'm sure I was much older than I should have been, but it was around the time that the Jerky Boys came out. It was actually probably a couple of years later, and somewhere in my life. I wonder where those are. Or maybe it's just one. I know I have at least one cassette tape somewhere. I must still have it somewhere because I would record them all. And I, I really fancied myself quite the prankster there for a while. What? So embarrassing. How have God, we just been two str- shows just... How have we been struggling for semi-listenable content for as many years as we have, Walsh? And you've been sitting on the tapes of your teenage prank call attempts. I'll tell you what... I shouldn't have even brought this up. I don't know. I have no idea where that would be, but I also know that I would never throw something like that out because I'd put too much work in it. I'm sure I put together like a a, um, a, a a compilation tape somewhere. I think I probably even used them, maybe parts of them in between mixtapes I would make for my friends. I wouldn't be surprised. I um, <clears throat> My whole thing with the, the pranking, again, and they were probably relatively good, but they were relatively good because I should not have been doing them at such an old age. On the other hand, you were like as in you your mentioned, late 20s. Like, yeah, well, no, I mean, I was probably, what, uh, probably a sophomore and oh, good, potentially even a junior in high school, which I think that's way too old to be, like, just by yourself in your room uh, pranking people and, and recording it. But on the other hand, as you pointed out, there's plenty of, like, yahoos around the world who have their own radio shows who are still pranking people in their 40s. So, you know, 
I would give anything to my... hear those tapes, Andrew. Jeez. I would. I feel like we would like open the box and it would be like the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders, and it would just melt my face off. But I would say it's beautiful. <laughs> Let me put it as this I way: I was dying. <laughs> if I were able to find that, I will admit to you that as a uh, as a um, quasi-producer of this show, I will say, you're right. Everything I know about TBTL, I think it would be great TBTL content. I also think it would be the most embarrassing thing that I could possibly do to myself. But I would definitely entertain excited for the sake of for the sake of entertainment. My, my whole thing with it was, <clears throat> I would try to keep the exact opposite of those guys. Like I would try to keep people on the line as long as possible. It was, it, I think I might have mentioned this to you before because it this kind of trained me for my uh, telemarketing thing, too. I had kind of the same philosophy for both, which is, listen, you may not make the sale. Listen, you may not totally fool this person, but just keep them on the phone as long as possible and end it on an up note. Even if the person realizes that you've, you're they're being pranked, maybe you what can was still your, kind of end it on an up note. What was your persona? What was your kind of move? It wasn't it was like, you know, is your refrigerator running? Uh, do you have Prince no. Albert in a can? It wasn't what would like what was the the kind I of I did thing a sur- I know I did a survey. I know that I would make up a survey for one <laughs> and, and I would ask him about a, ridiculous things or was it just it would a, be about a regular home- survey? I remember doing one that was like a home life survey and the, the, I remember a woman was very reluctant to give uh, to do it with me but then but then um, What were the questions like? Well, they started off very mundane. I talked her into it, and then it started off very mundane. And the thing was, I wanted to get them more and more dirty as they went on. <laughs> but they weren't that dirty. Like, first of all, I didn't have the knowledge to really be that dirty. But I think like, I just, like, are I, you so, wearing shorts? It was, it was like, I think I would ask her a bunch of questions about her life. And then I remember just one being, saying something like, and, the, and then it's something about her sexual life or her, she was like an older woman or something. I wasn't, well, like, that matters. I don't know. Like, she was like, you know, a middle-aged woman who was very reluctant to talk to me. And then I was, but then I was like, no, I'll just take the survey for so-and-so university or whatever. And then I remember just being like, the very first question that just dipped its toes in the water, which was something like, about how many times a week do you engage in sexual activity or something like that? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I didn't. It, which is creepy, but it wasn't like <clears throat> what are you like wearing? Heavy kind of creepy. breathing or something, right? Exactly. But that, and I just remember her being like, "Ah, damn it, I knew it!" And she hung up. And I just thought it was like her reaction to that was just so funny because I had worked so hard. A, a big one for me, and I think I probably only maybe I did this to a bunch of different restaurants. But I only remember the one because I played these for my friends a lot. So certain ones stick out almost like songs from your childhood. The stop and smell the pizza thing because it was during there was this um, ad. You probably remember the stop and smell the pizza of was course. a big ad campaign for, for Pizza Hut. Yeah. And I remember this one where I called um, a Pizza Hut and some young woman. Sometimes was you got to stop your order. and smell the pizza. Exactly. We actually, you work and, on a podcast that has that on standby. I don't think I even knew that. Um, and I said, you know, I, hey, I understand that you guys will let us kind of stop and smell the pizza. She's like, well, yeah, I suppose. You know, and I was like, okay, I would like to do that. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, could you bring by a pizza, like a pepperoni, like whatever pizza? Because I'd really like to smell it. And she's like, you know, okay, that'll be so and so. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to pay for it. I just want to smell it. And so we went back and forth. But she was just kind of like, she was kind of funny and charming. So I remember that one. It's like she realized I was like a doofus, but she kind of kept going with it for a while. She's like, okay, sir, we can't bring a pizza to your house and just have you smell it. Are you being serious? Like, she just was like, it was kind of perfect. She was right. I remember her being right on the edge of being like, I know this is ridiculous, but also like she's not hanging up on me because she's still 
kind of uncertain. So that, those were two. That's that kind great. Of stood out. I love the stop and smell the pizza prank. Can we please? <laughs> I think. Well, well get first that. of all, we. Oh, I thought you were going to say let's please try it. I was going to oh, say, well, I don't think the people at Pizza Hut will have any idea what we're talking about anymore. Yeah, if I can find this tape, the more I think about it, like I hesitate to do it. Like this is like I also have a. Um, and no, I would never share this. Like I have a. Uh, I know I have like three notebooks somewhere, and I actually know where these are in a suitcase. And I always think that when I move, I'm going to like burn them or to finally destroy them, but I haven't. Like that are filled with like journal entry, poetry, horrible, horrible bullshit that I was spewing into these pages when I was like a freshman in um, college, like a freshman in, in sophomore in college when I was reading like beat poetry and yeah. doors shit. And you were and howling. Bukowski, a lot. And I was howling. And like Luke, I swear to God, I know exactly where. These are. I've moved with them probably seven times now. I refuse to open them up. I really feel like I need to destroy them before like I die and somebody finds them. <laughs> but I kind of can't bring myself to do it. I know where those are. I don't know where the stop and smell the pizza tape is, though. I'll have to think about that. I don't want you to um, feel like I'm going to force you to read those because I feel like everybody has those embarrassing writings, uh, you know, that either still exist or were destroyed long ago. That to me, it's like everybody has that. I'm not that taken with that but your friggin prank calls dude also just the genius of stop and smell the pizza i just think that's a really, <laughs> really good idea for a prank call um it's kind of layered i like it i'm not i'm not kidding you at all can i play something for you really quickly i yeah. I, I, I don't know if you know about this walsh but um this is gonna t- this is gonna torpedo the show again. Let's try to not let this torpedo the show. But I forgot that I wanted to put this on the list, and I completely forgot to write it down on the show sheet. But just in two thousand seven, the this. average size of a new single family home was two thousand four hundred and seventy nine square feet. But now that suburban McMansions are considered as stale as a decade old Big Mac, the latest American housing trend is going the complete opposite direction. What do you think this story could be about? The tiny house movement? Who do we know who might somehow have shoehorned themselves into such a story? Oh, okay, because this is our friend Rachel, who's clearly yes. the reporter. So I thought yes. this is something about Rachel. But you're saying that some, oh, my God, are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. It's called the tiny house movement, and it refers to homes as small as 80 square feet. Seattle's Isaac Vickner says he doesn't identify <laughs> as being a part of the movement. But over the last couple of years, he's lived in four different eight-by-eight eight structures. But his take on the tiny house is very unique. Well, almost four years ago now, I decided you can either get really rich and not worry about money, or you can and not need any money and not worry about the mummy that seemed returns. a lot easier for me so <laughs> i quit my job i started getting rid of all my bills phone bill rent anything like that and it took me about a year maybe a year and a half to finally get rid of everything but now I- i'm going to be honest with you uh he did just fine stopping paying all those bills <laughs> It was yeah. not a hard process. It was not. He's, he's saying it like he was like, it took me a year to shed this. It took me a year to finally like, no, you, you wrap you, up all the loose ends. You stop paying everything and it goes away pretty quickly in terms of 
you know, credit and phone service that is available to you. I can tell you that much. Actually, have no reoccurring bills of any kind. But how do you live rent free and still avoid your parents' basement? I put an ad out on Craigslist and I say, "Do you want a free tiny house?" And I'll usually get about ten people, and one or two seem like normal people that actually do want it for some real reason. The deal is, I get to live there for free for six months. They give me a one power outlet, and then they get to keep it. People have wanted it the for like a garden shed, music space, like a yoga studio, playhouse for kids. There's a lot of cool things you can do with like a little well-built structure in the back. The lifestyle is definitely not for everyone. For one, there is no plumbing. Isaac uses a little ship toilet, and for bathing, I've got a lot of friends. I'm in a like a community-minded group of bluegrass people. I'm kind of uh, as, I wouldn't say. as opposed to the. Um, the go-go, it's all about the profit community of bluegrass people that some are consorting with. The high-flying, the high-flying chasing the almighty dollar bluegrass group where it's all about, you know, it, it's all about, um, you know, the individual. Um, particularly scandalous, but I, you know, I date around. So a, a lot of times. Sometimes people, you date for a shower. Yeah, they're the ones demanding the shower, not me. So this is what this is. I mean, there are so oh many things. That are, there are so many things that are amazing <laughs> about the mummy. Um, but uh, but one of the most amazing things is he's turning this into an attempt to let girls know that he wants to have sex with them, but a lot of different girls and not in some way that involves a kind of a committed relationship. Did you pick that up? Take, take a listen to this again. This is so this is this is so slick and so um, completely the mummy. The mummy returns. A, a lot of times. Sometimes people, you date for a shower. Yeah, they're the ones demanding the shower. It was scandalous, but I, you know, I date a group of bluegrass people. I'm kind of a. I wouldn't say I'm particularly scandalous, but I, you know, I date around. So a, a lot of times. Sometimes people, you date for a shower. Yeah, they're the ones demanding the shower, not me. So Isaac says he's actually surprised that complete strangers have let him live in their backyards for six months. I've noticed that definitely correlation between how much money and how nice the area is and how much they're willing to trust me. I mean, generally, you know, if it's in Shoreline and just some redneck, there's a lot of trust. Like immediate open, <laughs> like, yeah, hey, you seem like a good... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the mummy returns. If they're, a, if they're a redneck in Shoreline, there's a lot of trust. I know he was living behind some like neo-Nazis in um, like the Karkik Park area. I believe the last one he had. We need to call him up, actually. The last one he had, I feel like what happened was there was... Like they were like he didn't know this, but they were neo Nazis, and then they had some like weird like he had an African American friend over, and it bugged the neo Nazis whose yard he was squatting in or something. Oh my! That God. was the story he told me. With the mummy, you never I, exactly know. I I do want to analyze this because I am of two I am of very two conflicting lines of thought on this, Luke. Okay. I don't know if I'm trying to think if I can articulate either one of them. That's I the problem. I should say, okay. too, by the way, and just in case somebody, for some reason, this is like the first TV show you've ever listened to. The guy in this story is my very longtime friend of a guy I went to middle school with and has been one of my good friends for my whole adult life. And a friend of, of uh, Andrew's now as well, who we call the mummy. Um, and... <laughs> He's he started off saying he was building these things he called them earth ships. Although the thing about an earth ship is it's supposed to be built out of natural material, like just to pick up driftwood and like make a dwelling. His was driftwood that had 
ended up at Lowe's and had been turned into plywood. Um, but anyway, so he used to make these earth ships, which were just amazing. I would go in them. They were just delightful. But, you know, he's now kind of rebranded it as the tiny house movement. But anyway, that's and here yeah, he is in a radio yeah. story. And that's kind of what I think that's what's. This is why I both kind of dislike this and like it at the same time because <laughs> all right so there is this thing called the tiny house movement right and people yeah. are really committed to it and to them they really believe that it is kind of a movement and they have a um, philosophy that is behind it and it's a very thoughtful kind of a, a very deliberate yes. way of living and a I just decision watched a that documentary about tiny houses on Netflix that was made by a guy and his um, girlfriend at the time who were building a tiny house and they interviewed the guy who has tumbleweed homes, which are the really well-known um, kind of tiny house designs. And, yeah, it's this very intentional kind of thing that goes on. Right. So I listen to this piece, and I think, well, if if our friend Rachel is going to be doing a, a, a story about this, you could find somebody who's actually part of the movement better than this because I think – and God love them. Like, I, I love the mummy. You know that. But I would describe the mummy more as somebody who is – on the fringes of society, maybe <laughs> would be a good way of putting it. I don't, you know, I don't like to use the word hobo, <laughs> but let's just say somebody who, yeah, just kind the of mummy returns is more on the fringes of society. And now, you know, and, and, and in his defense, and this is where I don't want to like kind of qualify it like in his defense. Yes. Early on, like he was building these things. He was doing yes. things that I couldn't do. He was making these beautiful things and he was doing exactly this living in them for six months and then and then, you know, giving them up. But it was like a sore. It was a um, it was a form of homelessness. It was kind of a, a form mm -hmm. of homelessness. And he was just kind of out there kind of surviving. And so here's where I'm in, in conflict because in a certain way. Hearing the mummy and knowing the mummy, like I kind of find his situation more enjoyable and less uh, kind of cloying or cutesy than so if she were actually interviewing somebody who's actually part of the small house. Right? Movement. There's no. You know what he, I mean? The thing that's great about the mummy is that he has no. Um, there's no, smu there's no smugness not. about it because it really is like yeah. he needs a place to stay that doesn't cost any money. And so – and he would – I'm not talking shit. Like he would say this too. It's not like he's not uh, – for instance, this tiny house uh, documentary I watched, which I found interesting because – the houses themselves are interesting, and the people who lived in them made totally good points, but there was mm -hmm. that kind of very – like you might be surprised to find that a lot of them are in Portland, Andrew, and they're people right, who exactly. are just very like – you know, they're just – we just you know decided that um, I was working this corporate job I didn't enjoy, and we I – mean, again, and all, their, all of their motivations are completely reasonable and actually things that I have thought about too, but with The Mummy, the great part is like um, it's not driven from any kind of smugness. <laughs> Right. So in other words, so that's like the great thing about yes. it, but it also is kind of like, but it's also kind of like not really, if you're going to do an interview about the small house movement and then interview one person about it, like he's not the person to interview well, about it. Happened. So that kind of rankles was, me. I was emailing with Rachel about this and I don't think she'll be mad if I read this. She said, this is to explain this. She said, I was actually going to use him as part of a bigger story, but it was such a fun interview. I just gave him his own deal. And now it should be also pointed out that Rachel... She does a segment on Ron and Don. It's called Ring My Bell. She talks about things that are interesting to her. And so it's a kind of a maybe a 
she's casting a wider net than like you would on your public radio show um, in terms of how do we report pieces. In other words, if she meets someone who's who's kind of uh, eccentric, she can just be like, "Hey, here's the thing that you know happened to me." Here's the amazing part, though. She says. Um, it would have been a more fun story if I could have included the part where he says he mostly masturbates in the tiny house. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> everything else he can do in public, right? <laughs> Except, like, there's, like, and a very... Too. <laughs> yes, and, but there's only a few things that he needs a closed it's door for. It's a tiny for. masturbatorium. <laughs> I love, that, she, I love that he said... The reason I also don't feel weird reading that is because he said it to her on tape. Allowing right. her to use it in her piece, I'm sure that she realized she'd get too much. There'd be too many complaints, so she she was sad that she could not include the part where he said he spends a lot of time masturbating in there. And so uh, maybe that's what it is. Like, I love this. I just wish it wasn't connected to the tiny house movement. Uh, I wish it was just kind of like. Returns. I was going to do a story about the tiny house movement, but I came across a guy who's really taking it to the who's, next who's level masturbating or something in a garden like that. Shed. <laughs> yes, exactly. In between, in, in between um, him pleasuring himself, I was able to interview him about his lifestyle. You want to hear the rest um, of the piece? There's like a minute. Yeah, yeah. Throw it on yeah. up. But you know, if it's somewhere in like Madrona, you know, it takes a long time to break that ice. But once he moves in, Isaac doesn't want the ice to get too thawed. He has a strict rule that his house hosts mm. never bother him. I'm often completely naked and just like laying on the floor painting myself with a glow-in-the-dark paint to see if I can look like a jellyfish. Like I, I have a lot of strange ideas. So the last thing I want is a knock. So I tell people like absolutely no bothering me. If it looks like I'm dead, still don't bother me. I come after six months. Which shouldn't be a problem in his new arrangement. Isaac is in the process of building a new tiny home in the yard of some pretty unique people. They're definitely like an alt-poly bondage kind of group. They're like the nicest people. They're like pacifists, witches, earthy folk. Isaac says this might be... By the way, those are all going to have to be drops on TBTL. <laughs> oh my God. Last free tiny house that he lives in before he makes his way back into what he calls polite society. But he hopes that others who'd like to do what he's doing would put their fear aside for some adventure. I think that it's like one in a hundred that's going to be disaster. But I think if you start doing things because you're afraid that something bad might happen, you're already on this road to having a really boring and like I'd say not that meaningful life. So you can't spend your entire life being afraid of the one in a hundred. Just trusting the people and just going for it has led to either awesome times or really interesting stories. And in case you were wondering how Isaac does things like eat, he says he dumpster dives, sells little art projects, trades for things, and he has a bartending shift one day a week. You know Isaac's other big idea that he's hot on right now is something he calls sex church. <laughs> he's always no, telling me, Jessica, he's constantly telling me and Jessica about it. Um, and it's, I, I mean, it's kind of right in the title, but it's some kind of a support group, church, social thing that also involves everybody having sex with each other. And not having to pay taxes on it. I don't think it would be, I think they definitely would be a 501c3. <laughs> yes. Sex church. Um, the mummy returns. So anyway, Man. that's, um, that's something that we didn't plan on talking about, but I, I could, there's no way we could, we can't not talk about that. <laughs> that no. Something like that, that happens was... in, our, in our life. <laughs> I think the lesson learned from this clip is no matter what you do, for the love of God, don't walk in on the mummy when he's in his tiny house. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm getting ahead of myself. We got to 
let's take this chronologically. <laughs> uh, we start with keys to the show, which is something that has fallen to the wayside lately. Hopefully, it'll come back. Uh, just I know. The... I was thinking how much I miss it. He just. I love hearing Round Ball Rock and knowing that John Tesh is not getting any royalties for it. <laughs> uh, a conversation about Shatner and a long, sarcastic, tug-in-cheek talk about how there are no audio clips of Shatner <laughs> leads to these awful prank calls using a Shatner soundboard. Uh, but that's really just a segue to Andrew confessing that he, when he thinks he was probably too old to be doing this, he was making prank phone calls and recording them. He he points out in this that um, I actually I want to email him about this. He points out in this that they were of good enough production to maybe be played on TBTL, and he was old enough to do them pretty well. And he also mentions that they were in the box with all the diaries that he just destroyed. So he must have recently seen them. I'm going to email him and see if he's got them to play them on the show. That's a good point. We want the tapes. Oh, if you make yeah. a fuss on social media, we'll back you up. <laughs> He'll never do it. He'll never do it. I don't know. He has told some pretty uh, – he's exposed himself with some stories pretty far. And uh, he might do it because he recognizes the value of them as, on an audio format course he might not have anything to play the tapes on which is something we learned <laughs> a while True. back this just reminds me of um kind of of me as a kid not like that i was a real troublemaker or anything like that but um you know just playing around with tapes and uh i really loved the jerky boys even though i was never brave enough to make the jerky boys phone call uh you know to me if i had heard that andrew was making uh like well-produced uh prank uh, call tapes uh he would be the cool kid in my eyes which i think is totally lost on him like that is awesome <laughs> well let me ask a question because i don't know if this is a guy thing versus a girl thing but i don't get prank calls at all so i want to know what makes a good i mean luke and andrew were saying how horrible the shatner one was and then how horrible the schwarzenegger one was after that so what makes a good prank call uh in my opinion i think it's it's how game the people on the other end of the phone are um the i think it's human nature to not want to hang up on somebody so the more that they the more that they play along and really try to understand and then the more absurd the the prank caller gets um it, like just the i don't know juxtaposition i guess that would be but <laughs> i love that i don't know i i like the i like people being game for jokes I think uh, from a less innocent standpoint, the goal is to actually do what Andrew was trying to do, just with a lot more subtlety. I don't think you can go from, hi, this is a home life survey, to, how much sex do you have? <laughs> <laughs> please, please spare no detail. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, the goal is to get them going and then to waste their time or, or to get someone so invested in the conversation that they might answer more absurd questions or go down a more absurd line of conversation than they normally would if you started cold. I think it's the challenge of getting someone warmed up conning them. I mean, it's a very quick con. Um, I was never much of one for prank phone calls just because I couldn't contain myself long enough. I, I wouldn't be able to hold my shit together. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would be laughing as I said, right. hello. <laughs> 
Yeah. Although Andrew's stop and smell the pizza prank oh, call is is like it's that's so good. good. It it's so literal. Oh, it makes oh, yeah. it's great. It's perfect. Uh, and I, you know, from the other end, you don't know if the person calling you is screwing with you because they want to, <laughs> or because maybe it's someone who doesn't understand necessarily. Like you don't want to be rude and yell at that person if it's someone who's just not a hundred percent there. You know. So, like, you're not right. just going to yell and hang up on that person necessarily if, you know. I mean, I'm pretty sure you know it's someone messing mm-hmm. with you, but. Um, I don't know, Bobby. I've worked retail for a long time. <laughs> right. I've had some weird <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> um, I've known some people who worked in call centers, and I bet we have some Wagoneers who have worked in call centers. So it would be great to hear from you. When you get someone who just wants to mess with you. I have to imagine it's just a nice break from getting cursed at and yelled at. So that's not that's not a prank phone call, but that's sort of the other way. Like uh, at work, I get a lot of business uh, business junk calls, like people trying to sell me different utilities and phone services and that. And I'll just be really polite and I'll be like, you know, we are not interested. We don't have that service. We don't need that service. But, you know, I almost want to chat with them for a minute just because I imagine most of their day is hell. Hmm. Right. I wonder if Andrew got uh, pranked when he was a telemarketer. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, there was this phone service. I can't remember the name of it right now, and it's not free anymore, so I don't use it anymore. But uh, for a few months just recently, there was a service where you could um, loop in a, a like a call merge on your cell phone to a third number. And it was an, a robotic voice that was just a series of like, um, hello? Yeah? <laughs> sure. Can you speak up? What did you say? And it would get more and more absurd with automated responses. And the trick is that you would dial this number when a telemarketer called you. And you would uh, then mute the line and just listen to this person wasting their time with the computer. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Um, God. I think it was called, yeah, uh, I'm doing this on the fly here. The Jolly Roger Telephone Company robot designed to annoy <laughs> telemarketers. Uh, wow, and I got a one, very specific purpose. Yeah, I got one going for like eight minutes once in the car. <laughs> and, fi- wow. and finally, they got really angry and said, sir, you're going to receive 20 to 30 calls a day from this number now and then hung up. And I do get a lot of spam calls, so it might have been my own fault. <laughs> Was it worth it? Yes, absolutely. I like to think at least that, I mean, I feel bad because that person might be on some sort of scammer commission. But I don't feel that bad, you know? Yeah. To get paid to be on the phone as long as possible? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I, I still get the... Uh, Microsoft, your computer needs uh, an update from me calls. And I'm like, oh, I have a, yes, I have a Mac, but I'm going to keep you on the phone for as long as possible, because the longer <laughs> you're talking to me, you're not talking to somebody's 80 year old grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my grandma, my grandmother did just get nailed with that. She was smart enough to not pay the 259. But like the lady on the other end of the phone, there was some, I don't know how it worked. I didn't see it. And she, of course, is a grandmother, so she couldn't describe it to me. Um, but uh, she was looking at something on her screen. It locked up her computer. Then she had to allow remote access. And, uh, but, you know, 
you don't want to fix your computer for $260 is the line that they gave you. And uh, she says no, which is yeah. good. Wow. Uh, not to torpedo the show, but Luke torpedoed the show. <laughs> How could you not? How could you not talk about that? Uh, so <laughs> The transition yeah, it was. was perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> uh, so Luke introduces uh, a clip from the Ron and Don show from Rachel Bell's segment. Uh, that she did on the tiny house movement. But these are not normal tiny houses. They are even smaller and grosser. Uh, and it is an interview with none other than the mummy. And I think my favorite part of this interview was Andrew's real-time realization. Yes, <laughs> yes mine yes. too! <laughs> when he said, you're saying that some, oh my god, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep and and uh, he just keeps making rational points like well why wouldn't she talk to somebody who actually builds tiny houses <laughs> <laughs> or get someone who's you know get this actual architect who draws these plans <laughs> i love that luke puts the mummy on blast as much as he does like i <laughs> the mummy is the kind of guy who uh can can i'm sure he can spin his own life into sounding super awesome and like you should be jealous uh you know that you don't have the life he does and then <laughs> luke is like yeah but you know what's really going on here this dude's painting himself with glow in the dark <laughs> glow in the dark paint and <laughs> masturbating in a tiny shed oh my god i'm so disturbed i'm not sure i want aiden listening to this episode uh this is a cautionary tale aiden don't yeah. be like the mummy yeah don't end up like this guy <laughs> so I mean this is an interesting arrangement that that uh the mummy has found to avoid homelessness. He <laughs> finds someone on Craigslist who will allow him the honor of building a tiny home in their backyard, an eight foot by eight foot. I mean really this is a, a fort at eight by eight. This it's is supposed not a to tiny be an house. earth ship. <laughs> Uh, and, and Luke says that the, the Earth ship is supposed to be made of found materials, but Luke knows that he bought all the stuff at Lowe's. Well, actually, I believe he said he found it at Lowe's, because this is an important question. He found it at Lowe's, yeah. What is the economy of the mummy? What kind of barter system is he using <laughs> right. to get this, this building material? But he builds it, and then he lives in it for six months, and then I assume that the homeowners have to spend the next month bleaching it. Oh, Ooh, tear it down. <laughs> hey, they weren't allowed in for six months. It's yeah. a lot of time. And what, does, Even if, what does he need the electrical outlet for? Uh, to plug in his laptop? Does he have a laptop? To charge his phone? So, he, he doesn't... So I've never really met the mummy, but from what I remember, I know he has a cell phone that he uses on Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And he does like to email the show, so he's either doing that from a cell phone or a laptop. And then, you know, probably a lamp. You know, like, he's got to have some sort of light in there. He's got to have something to charge the glow-in-the-dark paint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was interesting. His... Uh, the inverse scale of how much money someone has and how trusting they are. <laughs> it's amazing that the rich people don't want the mummy in their backyard building a shit. Huh. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. 
Uh, but the poor ass, free loving, uh, uh, whatever sex cult. They're cool with it. Oh, yes. The alt poly bondagey pacifist witches. They're cool with it. When you put it like that, I'm yeah, pretty sure you know. that's just their, their bulletin board. That's an old school internet I joke. Love... <laughs> I love how Andrew loses it so many times during this story. Like, he can't contain himself. He's just laughing so hard. And I, I also love that Rachel blew off a real report on tiny houses <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to put this guy on the radio. Now, to be fair, this is a whole segment that she has to produce all the time. I don't think you can hold it <laughs> yeah, to right. a really high level of journalism. Yes, I. Andrew had some very valid points uh, about her using the mummy instead of any kind of reputable part of the tiny house movement. I think she would have been fine if she just dropped the tiny house angle and come up with a different way of going at it. Right. Here's a drifter that I drink with once in a while. Tell us about right, the show. Yeah. <laughs> or, or maybe talking about life off the grid in an urban setting or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. That's a good idea. Change the premise. Course she- right, we all know about people that go out to the woods and do this stuff, but how about people that do it in Seattle? Right, right, yeah, in a city full of civilized humans. Right, instead of yeah. using guns to defect, uh, protect their land, the mummy just uses sex to get a shower once in a while. <laughs> oh, right. that's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I need to I know a- that... I, go I, ahead. I just... For all the women listening, I need to know what's in the positives column for any man where you're willing to sleep with him as long as he takes a shower before. Like, if if that's the one deal breaker, or conversely, if you're <laughs> willing to let him into your home and you're going to have sex with him and then he just showers and leaves. I don't know. Well, I've been thinking very hard about this for the last couple of days. <laughs> and the mummy has some upsides. I mean, he's from the few pictures that I've seen, he's clearly very attractive. And he has a great speaking voice and he has a lot of confidence. And he seems like he would be very straightforward, which women appreciate. But I wouldn't touch this guy with a 10 foot pole. I mean, I wouldn't touch this guy with a 20-foot pole, and it's just because I have basic <laughs> hygiene requirements that he does not meet. Well, and you'd have to really, really wash the end of the pole after. and Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not even the showering stuff. I mean, yes, the showering stuff, for sure, but at least you can – he can take a shower. It's the dental issues that I would really be turned off by. I mean, when was the last time this guy had any kind of oral mm, – boy, this is going in a bad direction um, – <laughs> any dental care? I think I think you actually say that, and I think Luke did call him out on the show recently for having fewer and fewer teeth every time he sees them. I'm, I'm pretty sure that happened, unless I dreamt that. But if I'm dreaming about the mummy, I have other problems. It's not easy to find a dentist who's willing to barter for free-range opium. Harvested on nature walks. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. I'll teach you how to harvest all the things that killed my teeth. Uh, right. Because dentists have access to their own much better stash. 
and I do wonder what's the mummy's long term plan oh, for all that's this. A, that's a big open ended. <laughs> you, all you need is one electrical outlet right. and an it's six months at a time, man. Yeah, really. Take it slow. Oh, my other favorite line of of this clip was Andrew saying, "I don't like to use the word hobo." <laughs> <laughs> and all I picture is is the mummy walking around Seattle with a bindle. Yeah. You know, I kind of get it. I, I sort of get a little bit like I have that that sense of um you know when when people are uh <laughs> I don't know, just so freewheeling. I'm like, how does someone do that? I have friends that go you know, they they live in, uh, you know, Boulder, Colorado. They're ski instructors for the ski season, and then they do whatever in the, you know, in the warm, uh, warmer months, and they just end up wherever they end up. And the mummy's kind of like that, but to a little bit of an extreme. So I sort of get the appeal, and I've always sort of wanted to be that way, but then I look at myself and I go, you'll never be that way. You just, I couldn't handle it. I wouldn't want to be I that way. I am infinitely jealous of those people when I'm half asleep. But once I yeah, get up and right. take a nice long hot shower in my own bathroom i i don't envy them anymore yeah 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 and you can you're surrounded by people that you want to be surrounded by and not just whoever pays the rent (laughs) uh well i guess the only thing left uh to make sure we touch on is sex church (laughs) (laughs) to me it sounds an awful lot like the manson family i i I want to hear a fully <laughs> rendered version of what this is. Because actually, I, I was just looking this up. I, um, I archived the secret show, which is the same show as that Kentucky Derby show uh, from March of 2014, where he uh, kind of like previews Sex Church. He says, Sex Church coming to you in about two years. Watch for it in about two years. And uh, apparently that was, that was uh, well, no, that would be early, that would be about the same time as this. So. He was uh, fleshing out the idea. I want to see if it ever really went anywhere. See if you got I'm any pretty sure it just slowly morphed into bluegrass karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll come back up as something else in a few months. But the premise is the same, which is that everybody gets together and then drinks too much and then prays. Yeah. Praise to what? I think that's up to you, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, Corey, did we miss anything in this clip that you wanted to make sure we hit? No, no, I just love how crazy this guy is. I think we got it all. I hope that uh, in future episodes we can actually touch on more of the mummy updates. Because I do have to say, they're infrequent, but when he sends them, they do delight me. Uh, We should work on a whole mummy suite for Little Red Pam Wagon. Yeah, it's so interesting because he's obviously so bright. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's, he's, he's really got it figured out and he's so, yeah, he's so smart that he can do this. (laughs) It's it's amazing. Use your powers for good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that note, I I don't think we can come up with any better advice than that. Um, (laughs) And why don't you tell us how uh, other Wagoneers listening right now can get involved and talk about their own weird uh, side characters in the TBTL universe. <laughs> yes, if you'd like to get involved, uh, please come to littleredbandwagon.com and fill out the form. And if we like what you're selling us, maybe we'll buy it and have you on. You can always visit us on Facebook at the Stents page or at our page. 
there are personal Twitters. Bobby is at RL Pape. Uh, Mike is at Drew McFrizz. Christy is at Kissy Eyes. Jeremy is at Dadstronaut. Meredith is <clears throat> Meredith underscore Mayhan. I am, of course, I'm on Facebook, so you can be my friend. Uh, Corey, do you have a Twitter? Uh, what is Twitter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the show Twitter is at LRB Podcast, and you can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Or if you prefer, you can leave us a voicemail at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Uh, and with that, Anne, I'm going to throw it right back at you to get us out of here. Okay, I want to try a different reading to this. You know how Luke says in commercials, you got to give three three takes or, or three looks. You want to give the ABC on this? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we always say, this is the next party. So I'm going to say, this is the next party. We love you, Jen. <laughs> hey guys, you're about to hear Embers, a song by Corey's band Trails, off the EP Never Mind the Mountain. If you like it, Nevermind the Mountain is available on Bandcamp, and you should go check it out. There's a link in the show notes. If you don't like it, you should grab that link and post it on Facebook, because your friends hopefully have better music taste than you do, and will appreciate it. Enjoy.
Oh, nailed it. 